It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist editor with Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal, Rick Roaring of Musketeer Report. We're brought to you by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. It is our midweek podcast, recording this on a Thursday, where UC gets set to take on Houston uh, at Texas Southern University. They're not playing games at home. We'll touch on that game in, in just a little bit. But let's rewind back to uh, to Wednesday night in, in college basketball where it pertains to teams of local interest. We start with the Xavier Musketeers, 102-90 to winners uh, over Seton Hall. Rick, the, the 65 points given up in the second half, a bit alarming, but some of that is due to the fact that it was that was they're I, playing catch up. I um, do not think it's alarming. I'll I don't be know. Honest. Sixty-five is a lot, bro. It, it is forty-eight. Yeah, okay. Sixty-five is a lot of freaking points. It is, but it's not when you're winning by twenty-five and the other team goes six of seven from three miles. But like, they're if like, look, Xavier started trading baskets. That's what they do. That's what we talked about. Well, but, trade them where it got down to a five-point game at one point, right? Six, but right, six, but it was never in question. I mean, it was they were doing that with backups in too. Like both teams True. were playing backups and stuff like that. Look, you're not supposed to beat Seton Hall by more than twelve points. Okay, this isn't this isn't a mid major league I, I, where everyone's I, I, outside the top I'm fifty not, in offensive I'm, efficiency. I'm not telling you they should. This is a top twenty five team offensively. Sixty five. Where everybody's man. outside the top fifty in defensive 65. efficiency. Sixty five. Come on now. No, I mean it's a ton of points. But if you score hundred and two points and you beat Seton Hall by twelve. There's n- it was I, a dominant performance. I would take it. I would have taken it if you'd given up 45 and 45, not 25 and 65. Okay, but percentages even out, right? Like, if the team yeah. shoots 20% in the first half and they're a top 25 offensive team in the country, they're going to make shots in the second half that they normally wouldn't make. They're going to shoot 50% in the second half or better. Like, that's how that works. 65 is a lot. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, if you're concerned about Xavier beating Seton Hall by 12 while scoring 102, I don't no, know no, what no. to tell you. No, but this I... Is, this isn't the, the Marshall game. You know what I mean? Like, that's... If they score 65 points in the second half, it's like, oh, man. But if you get 25 on Seton Hall, you don't really worry if you win by 12. Well, one thing that's not in doubt is is the way Trayvon Blewett shot the ball. I was watching... I was flipping back and forth between both the Kentucky game and, 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 the, uh, and the Xavier game and admittedly watching more of the Kentucky game. Um, because it was... A game. <laughs> it was a game, and, and at the time, Xavier really wasn't. But it felt like, I, and this is all I, it felt like every time I turned back to the Xavier game, I watched Trayvon Blewett make a three. And at one point, I thought he made 15 threes. He didn't. He made eight. Only eight. Only eight of, of 11. Um, and I think the, the number that, that speaks out is the total number of points on the total number of shots he took from the field. It's extraordinary. The only player in college basketball to score at least 37 points on 12 or fewer shots this year. Only the fourth player to do it since I mean, think 2010. About it. Now, obviously, those free throws factored in, but the 12 shots, that, that literally means that's a three pointer. Per whatever he is to get to get the point total, basically that's insane. Yeah, he's averaging over three points a shot. <laughs> that is crazy. It's it was ridiculous. What what what's more impressive to you guys? What was the more impressive performance? This one or the UC forty point game? I think the UC forty point game, and I and I say that because that's what exactly what last night reminded me of. That it, it, you gave him any daylight last night, it was in um, the UC forty point game just because of. I guess the nature of that game and, and um, technically being on the road and just it, even it felt like when UC was guarding him, he was still catching it and sticking it in somebody's eye. Last night, he had some open looks. Now, they, you still got to make those open looks, but he had far more open looks. I think last night, just because it was so crazy efficient, like it, it, it almost felt like he didn't have, have the ball hardly at all the entire game. Like, 
they weren't playing through him. He, he yeah, wasn't. In, in a game like that, you think, well, he's on fire. You got to get him exponentially more touches. It's just not the way it worked. He, well, it felt like he touched the ball for two seconds, like 12 possessions, and scored 37 points. I mean, obviously, the free throws are a little bit, you know, added to that, obviously, but they weren't really playing through him. They weren't. He didn't dominate the ball. It wasn't a bunch of ball screens, and it, it would catch. And his release is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I know Bobby said he – do you think it's faster than last year? Because I think it's the same. I, I honestly don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just not trained enough to know, like, oh, it was a quarter second quicker or yeah, whatever. But, but it yeah, looks about the same, I yeah, think. Yeah, he's always had that release to me. Well, it, it, and you wanted to mention on the last podcast, it, it's, it's that one where he shoots it so quick, doesn't even really follow through. It's just a quick – flip his arms are by his side and he's and it's not something you would teach really it's just it's no. it's so hell no because when he releases like that you're like that's a bad shot he, he knows it's in yeah. that's the thing he knows when he does that it's in yeah last night we didn't get much of that we got, got a couple he, he started out early doing the uh stand and linger with the arm up with the threes up in the air and did that for like the first three or four of them and his teammates were reacting to it and then he started doing the thing where he'd shoot it and turn around and start jogging back on defense while the ball's still in the air and it he just knew he, they were all going in he he has the ability, unlike pretty much anybody in the country, and I, I, I would say even better than like a Trey Young, when he knows he's in the zone, the ball's in the basket. Yeah. Like the, the, he, he does not. Yeah, it's not even a rim rattler. It's not no. even a, a high bounce off the back rim up and hope it goes in. It's it's bottom out of the out of his hand. It is in, which there's nothing you can do when he hits his first two or three. And all of a sudden, that thing looks like he's just throwing it into the ocean. Defensively, there's nothing you can do to stop him. Yeah, it was just, I was asking myself about that last night, which game I thought was more impressive, because the UC game felt so much more dominant. It, like, and, and granted, they lost the game, so I'm not trying to say like, oh, we controlled the game. But I mean, from a standpoint of stopping him, stopping him, it felt like there's nothing they could do. He's got the ball in his hands. Xavier's playing through him. He's the go-to guy. Last night, like you said, it never felt like there was like, Oh, he's hit two of them now. Oh, he's hit three. Like that's funny because like they were just like little quick hitters or whatever. Like you said, he wasn't. Right. They weren't running things to get him uh, a bunch of shots, and then all of a sudden they just kept piling up because he wasn't missing. And then it became a thing where you know feed him a little bit more. But it was absurd. Just two ridiculous performances out of him we've seen the last two years, and really three of the last four games now. He was quiet on Saturday against Creighton. Yeah, three of the last four, he's been awesome. Yeah, how about these numbers? Take away the 0 for 4 at Creighton. The the other three games you mentioned, Georgetown, the Butler game on the road, Seton Hall, two of those three at home. 12 of 30 on threes. Yeah, he's not doing as much off the dribble as he did in last year's NCAA tournament, but he looks like that player again. No, but but even then you factor in the, the – again, you got the Creighton game, he did really – he was not a very effective offensive player. Right. But those other three games, in addition to going 20 of 30 on threes, 26 of 28 on free throws too. I, I mean, that's, that's just getting it done. I mean, usually if you're shooting that many threes, you ain't getting to the line that often, right? I mean, you're just not, unless it's end-of-game yeah. situations where people are fouling you. It's one or the other. Um, that, that, that tells me he's kind of got it back to being figured out. I mean, he went through that stretch at one point where we weren't sure, was he hurt? Was, uh, he was missing free throws. Yeah, he, was, wasn't, he wasn't there. It wasn't, there was in, no rhythm. In retrospect, or even talking to coaches or whatever, I mean, could they pinpoint it, or is it just a – he it just the light bulb went back on, or he just went through a slump like everybody else does? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's fair to say, like, look, everyone goes through those moments or whatever, not even just in basketball, but in general, with whatever you do. You know, you have your good days and your bad days, and that seems reasonable to say about someone. But when you've seen him and the way he plays like and what this. he's done the last two years, like – how did he go through that stretch? Right. Because he's so good and such an effective shooter and so consistent. But yeah, just it, it was something else to watch him last night. But 
honestly, as impressive as he was individually for Xavier's purposes, I think the big story right now is that this team is improving. Yeah. Like they're getting better with four games left in the season and the senior laden squad because they've got three underclassmen that are playing a lot of minutes that are really starting to figure things out. Quentin Gooden is becoming a weapon. If and best and the, shooter in the country. And the thing about I mean, seriously, since Yeah, she missed last night. He missed a couple last night. Well, he was two for four. I know. But since January, he is That's my point. He hasn't missed he hasn't missed many. He's he missed two last night. Of twenty six now since January. Yeah. From and, three. And had like, one wiped off. It's last getting night to the too. point where it's not insignificant anymore. It's like he's actually making shots that are mattering. It's not just occasionally throws one in because no one's guarding him. He, and, give him credit. He's improved his mechanics a lot. Without without Because his mechanics were awful yeah. coming into to Xavier. Like, you got to give the kid credit there. He's worked on it. He's made some drastic improvements in his mechanics because they were, it was slow. It was low. It Like, everything you don't want to see in a jump shot is what his jump shot looks like coming out of high school. And now it looks serviceable. The release point's pretty good. I mean, it's not Trayvon. It's not picture perfect. But at least the mechanics of it look a lot better than they did when he was coming out. Yeah, he completely changed his shot this offseason after his freshman year, and clearly it took a while to sort of take effect, but now it is looking better at least, especially when he's wide open. Um, but then teams, like, occasionally they slough off of him because they're trying to help on other people, or he gets the worst defender because they're too worried about Trayvon and JP and whoever else, maybe even Najee. He's just taking advantage of teams when they do that, and he's such a good athlete that it's like, he can do what he wants with the ball in his hands a lot of times. He can get to the rim when he wants to. So he's becoming a weapon. Paul Scruggs hit, hits a three last night. Hits a After Seton Hall scores, he pushes it back in transition, gets to the elbow, hits a pull-up yep. jumper. He gets all the way to the rim with his left hand and finishes with his length. Defensively, he's changed them at the guard spots. And then Najee Marshall is... I mean, he looks like the guy we thought he was going well, to be. Well, and there, there's, there's where you talk about a team improving. It's a young guy who keeps getting better as his freshman year gets on, as opposed to being a complimentary piece. He's become, at times, a weapon. Yeah, I mean, all three of those guys have become weapons, and he's starting to become, like, a legitimate guy. Right. You know, a, a, a guy you can go to and rely on. He's going to get you points, make plays, and he's completely changed them defensively because he's now their go-to lockdown defender on the perimeter. And is he perfect? No, but he can at least guard the other team's best player and hold him in check enough to where Xavier's not getting blitzed by, you know, Rousey for 50 or Shamori Pons for 50 every night like they were earlier in Big East play. Last year, I, I mentioned a bunch on the podcast how J.P. McCure, the way he played, just makes me crazy. Um, I, I think he's done a much better job of, of just deferring and figuring out that he doesn't have to hoist 15 shots a night. And, and I don't, maybe that's defense is focusing more on him. He can't get his. But I, honestly, I don't think that ever has mattered. Maybe, but I, 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 he wanted he, to force shots. It didn't matter what the hell the defense was doing. JP doesn't see defenders. Well, but, <laughs> clearly, if you look at his but, turnovers at times. But, but, but I will give him credit that it doesn't feel and, and even He's Scott, not forcing like, it as much. Yeah, and I think that's 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 been important. That he maybe he realizes there's some guys around him that you got to trust them, and they're getting the job done. Can you think of a more unselfish senior year right? that you've seen out of a guy? Who, out of a guy like that, his whole career he's kind of been waiting to, for that moment for him to be the star and and, and get those opportunities because clearly when he was younger that's what he wanted was a lot of shots and I mean he just he's content to take three or four shots in a game if that's what it takes and they're winning now and the offense is flowing so well whether he's a big factor in it and sometimes he is and sometimes he's not and they're still flowing that way I, I just I never would have thought this offense could sustain itself. Through nights like earlier in the year, we talked about when they were going through that. Who's going ride. to be? I, I I said when they lost right. those two games, the issue is Trayvon and JP aren't Trayvon and JP. This team is built to win with those guys playing really well. 
now they're going through games where neither one of those guys show up and they still score a lot of points and play efficiently. So I, I think this team is still getting better, which is kind of scary when you think about it. Yeah, and I think there's there's going to be a game in the term where J.P. McCure get, makes you three threes that are critical. It's it's going it's it's going to happen. And he still had his share of big nights in big games where he's gone out and won the game for Xavier. So it's not like he's been bad this year, but he's been very unselfish in terms of looking for his own shot. All right, they got through the stretch leading up to Villanova. I I, I wasn't sure they could get through it three and zero. I I think you would have taken two and one for sure. Um, three and zero was is now set it up for for the Villanova game. We had talked a while back of maybe needing to at least beat. Villanova, maybe it worse split the two road games. Don't stumble in the in the games down the stretch against the the also Rams, if you will, um, and then get at least to the conference finals. I, I'm almost to the point now. If if they beat Nova uh, on Saturday, they're one seed. Yeah, and and then don't obviously don't slip up. I mean I, that's that's the caveat. And I'm not even sure at that point what it means in the Big East tournament any longer. I really at that don't. point I'm not even sure what a slip up means. Everybody is slipping up. Yeah, well, and I, what we've seen what did what, what we've seen from the committee. Is big wins or what? Yeah, they're, they're they're not putting a heavy value on on losses. I th- I think you know you play at Georgetown at DePaul. If you lose either one of those, it's possible it's possible that you slide off that that uh one line. But I guess then you you could make up for it in the Big East tournament. Yeah, maybe. I I, I don't know exactly what that do because b- both of those are outside the the tier two right in, in the RPI. So what happens if you lose to one of those two? You get that bad a loss. A tier on your three resume. loss can. Ding you, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I just don't know what the committee will do with that at this point because you're right. It's not like everyone else's resume is sparkling and that much better than Xavier's. But if they drop one of those games, I think it could be an issue. If they lose Villanova or Providence, I don't think that takes them off the one line at all. Yeah, no, no. I'm talking about solid. I'm talking about putting the final nail in it with 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 a win over Villanova, maybe. Because I I think at that point you beat Villanova, you then have what a two game two game lead. Two and a half, right? Two and a half. Because you're up yeah, one and a half right, right, right now. You're right. Two and a half. You'd have a two and a half game lead. Um, I think you do that and you end up winning the league regular season title. Um, I think that probably is enough to be a one seed. I do too. Probably. But again, I, I just don't know what they would do if they lost at Georgetown or at yeah, and that's DePaul. Fair. What, and that's fair. Even but, with the Villanova win, what would the committee do with that? Here's the problem. We were already talking Sunday. We didn't. None of us really felt confident that Purdue was the fourth number one seed. Yeah, and I still don't. so so right, and and, and Nova so, has slid again. Nova slides. Xavier beats Seton Hall. If they beat Villanova, they're the second one seed. I mean, they were third. Yeah, so they, they move ahead of Villanova. They have to really take a take a tumble to get out of that one seed line, probably, right. and then assume that somebody in the two seed line moves up. Right, I mean, the day have to. It's not like yeah, who's gonna who's gonna jump up and and take your one seed? That that's I think when we came to the Purdue conversation on Sunday, we didn't have a problem with them being the first one seed, even though they had lost two games in a row, because we didn't see anybody that we thought should be there instead of them. Right, the fourth one seed, you meant? But yeah, yeah, the fourth one seed. Like like who was gonna who were you gonna take them off of that one line for and jump up? And Auburn was the fifth seed. The number, the, the number, number one, one two, two seed. seed. So if Xavier beats Villanova, I don't, I don't see them sliding back to the two line. Like, yeah, you're right. They might have to lose two of those games. Yeah, on, like on I, I just doesn't. The math doesn't add up. Purdue lost two in a row and didn't fall off the one line. Like Xavier is getting to that territory if they're the second number one seed. Yeah, correct. God, I need to take a shower. You're right. <laughs> you're, okay, okay. You, I think you've talked me into it. If they beat Villanova, it's Really hard to imagine them not being a one seed. At yeah, unless they point. completely tank, and it, it, I, that that I don't see that. That's you know what's going to happen? 
They're going to beat Villanova and then tank? No. What's going to happen is either Xavier's going to be a one, Cincinnati's going to be a two if that holds, and one of and them vice is... vice versa, and they'll play each other in the regional final. One of them's going to have to play Kentucky and Nashville as a, either a 7-10 or an 8-9. I... I, I, I I don't know if I'd take that or not. We're going to touch on Kentucky here in a second. I was trying to give you a segue. I know. So, I know. Well, I'm going to get on them in a second. I got one more question, though. Well, what what do you guys think, then, of the Xavier Villanova game? Well, that's what I was going to that 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 mention. Nova is either to the point where they've just hit a wall, if the injuries and all that have caught up to them, or it just – I mean, losing at Providence isn't awful because guess who else lost at Providence? Xavier, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not – Well, that's, that's easily one of the most difficult places to play Correct. in the Big East. That place is nuts. The Butler game, they came back at home, all that. But for a stretch of that game, it looked like, oh boy, they're really they they just don't look like the same team. And I don't they're know. Not if it's, a, well, their defense is, has faltered quite a bit. And I wonder if that's the minutes just catching up to a very could short. Be. I mean, rotation. they've slid, I think, into the fifties in defensive efficiency. Last I checked, forties or fifties. It was forty seven. That was forty seven. I think on Sunday when I looked at it, I haven't looked so at it since then. So they're not that. Yeah, they're forty two now. Okay. They're not that clicking on all cylinders machine that we've kind of gotten accustomed to from them um so there's just a few holes right now the teams are 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 exploiting and it does look like they're not as fresh they're not they're not full of they're not playing with the energy that we've seen them typically play with over the past three or four seasons so coming into centos i mean obviously i think the worst thing for xavier is to have them coming off a providence loss yeah i don't think that helped at all because that wakes them up other, the only thing it helps for Xavier is just more, uh, more confidence of yeah, they're vulnerable. Yeah, but uh, on Villanova's end, that should be a slap in the face wake up call for Jay. Like they're not having fun today. I'm sure those guys right now feel like they're in must win territory. Like yeah. I'm sure they yes. feel like their backs are against the yes. wall because they haven't lost this much in a while, right? So, or, or even struggled, you right. know? Right. They haven't had many difficult times in the past four years. So, right. you're Xavier, Xavier's gonna get their best shot. But it's at the Centos Center. Like, yeah, that's the, I mean, Xavier makes shots there, which every team usually makes more shots at home and all that. But they they have, it seems like, answers now for anything you want to do. You want to take our post guys away? Great. We got these guys to score. You want to guard our guys in the post one-on-one and you have a good post defender? We'll keep throwing it in there. And we got three different guys that are going to come at you. It feels like, especially at home, you don't have an answer. You don't have an answer for them defensively. On that end of the court, I totally agree. Now, obviously, the the other end of the court is the question mark. It's like, how does Xavier stop certain guys? And Jalen Brunson is one of those point guards that will absolutely give them trouble, and he's a difficult matchup for everyone in the country. So that's not unique to Xavier, but Xavier's defensive struggles with small point guards is, you know, it's as bad as it gets. So that's that's really the question. I guess what what is the answer there defensively, in your opinion? Najee Marshall guards Jalen Brunson. I mean, I think at this point it's it's pretty simple that that's the go-to. Well, I mean, the only thing is you still have Mikhail Bridges on the wing, who's not like a go-to offensive player, but he's going to get be. points. Yeah. And, you know, Najee would match up more ideally with him. They're both long and athletic then, and versatile. Then you have to put probably put Quentin, Quentin on Jalen Brunson, which may be what they do, and then you get Paul Scruggs in there as much as you can on him. But I, I just look at it more from a perspective of regardless of the matchups, the reason I picked Xavier in this game is because, one, I saw the way those guys looked last night in terms of the confidence and the cohesiveness and the way they're playing together. And like you said, it's at the Centos Center. And two, Trayvon and JP, with it being their senior year, the way they've been dominated by this Villanova team, those guys' personalities, it's just hard for me to see them going out in a game where they kind of get punked. 
And if they don't get punked, I think Xavier wins the game. Like, I think Villanova either wins by 10 or more, or Xavier wins the game. They won't lose a close one to Villanova, I don't think. Yeah, I, I, honestly, if Xavier hadn't been on the run they'd been on, let's just say they'd have lost one of the games, the road games, Creighton and Butler, I still would have felt good about them in this game. Yeah, I, It only enhances the fact that they survived those games on the road in two tough places, do what they did last night, survive the Georgetown game, and, and again, we're pretty good offensively. That makes me have even more belief they win this game. One more quick thing. Yeah. Now that you, Were you there last night? Yeah. What's wrong with Seton Hall? I don't – I mean, Xavier blew them out in the first half. I mean, just absolutely blew their doors off. Like, that is a team that is – like, we talked this year about, like, enjoying the UC and Xavier seasons because these two teams have been a culmination of a build towards this for quite a while. Like, you know, when, when Trayvon and JP got here, it was pretty evident they were going to be – really good four-year guys, and this is the culmination of that, and this is Gary Clark's culmination of that. This is supposed to be Seton Hall's culmination of that. You like, don't get a senior class like they have often. Often, right. And they're falling apart. Yeah, like, well, and I think part of it is that senior class isn't playing – like, Angel Delgado, quite honestly, has been a disappointment this yeah, year compared to he was to supposed to be one year. of the best players in the country. Yeah, and you would th- you would have thought he was going to average, you know, 16 15, points. 15, and 13, yeah. He's been, a, he's been the same guy on the glass, but offensively they haven't found a way to make him the same guy that he was last year. Two, Desi Rodriguez is not helping them. He can't no. defend other wings at all. He can't guard J.P. or Trayvon or, you know, the other top scorers in the, in the conference on the wing. And – he turns the ball over way too much. He can score. He's tough, but like he's kind of ball dominant and isolation when he does it, so he's taking and his he teammates out of the game. And then the final thing is, I don't think they have good point guard play. Like They play Kadeen Carrington at the point. He's more of a combo guy than get you buckets, and he's long, but he doesn't. Is, is there any danger of them missing the tournament? No. Last I saw, they were seven seed. Yeah, so they're, they're, I don't think they're so. They're six and seven. I mean, they're under 500 in the Big East. What, I don't know what they finish with. Uh, I'll look as you talk, but I no, I don't think there's any danger of them missing the tournament. They're not going to miss the tournament, but they are like falling Putting towards themselves the in bubble a, in a, now. In yeah, a crap seat area for sure. Yeah, the, the, I mean the Big East. As much as we had talked about how good the conference was at collusion, they're all of a sudden really screwing it up now at the end here because well, St. Providence John's, is in the tournament. Yeah, they're definitely going to be in now. <laughs> but St. John's and DePaul and Georgetown are all of a sudden playing and, well. And Mar- and, uh, yeah, I'm saying that Marquette's going the other way. Yeah, and Marquette's bad, so yeah. they're, 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 they might fall out. But uh, those those three teams at the bottom are all of a sudden starting to play well and win games. And, like, Georgetown I don't even think is a bad team, but they played such a terrible schedule in the non-conference. They weren't ready for it. They killed everyone's RPI. Right, right. So, like, and now – ready for the early part of it. Now they – well, I mean, but who cares if they – I mean, they won all those games. Right. So if they would have just played teams – 150 if they would have done what UC does basically that people complain about here but at least it's not they scheduled 350 352 348 I mean it was all the worst teams they in the country they didn't mix in two, 14 37 and 40 like UC does even if they didn't do that UC at least plays like 200 230 yeah. and we criticize them for that but if Georgetown would have done at least that they wouldn't have been such a because they won all those games. They would have been such a drag on the rest of the conference's RPI. But now they're good enough to win games, but their RPI is like outside the 150. So if they they beat you, you're screwed. Yeah, Seton Hall finishes with the Paul at home, at Providence, at St. John's, Nova at home, and Butler at home. Wow. Go two and three. I mean, the thing is, you just have to win a couple of those as games said, and you solidify your spot. Yeah, that's my point. Go go two, two and three, and you're eight and ten. Yeah, but you're yeah, still yeah, in. You're with still that. in. You're still in at that at that stage. Um, I mean, I think you're even an eight seed to be honest with you. As long as they do that, I mean, if they go zero and five, maybe you're right. Maybe yeah, they and are. and by the way, 
they might could go 0-5. I, I don't rule that out because they are – They're in, they're in a mess. The bigger concern I have with them is I don't think Willard has the locker room. I don't think he has for years. Clearly right now he doesn't. Co, co-coach of the year in the Big East two years ago in 2016. I don't know. I mean, that helped him keep his job, but I, I don't think he has a lot of respect in that locker room because they seem dysfunctional. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's kind of what I've been – I mean, I like Kevin. I've, I've gotten to know him pretty well. I but this is like the third time in four years that they've looked dysfunctional. Yeah, and seemed like the locker. And this is a senior apart. year, like a yeah. senior laden team. There's five or six of them. Yeah. And when I saw them in December, because they played at the same event that Florida, you see in Florida, Florida, Florida played, yeah. they were they played the early game. They looked like a force. Like they looked like they were clicking. And it, was it the the suspension of the um, fight? Well, yeah, there was a. Who was it? Was Sonogo or they? They suspended one of the seniors for a little bit, and ever since then, that team's just not felt right. It's just not felt like the same team that I watched back on in December. No doubt, struggling for sure. Um, speaking of dysfunctional Kentucky, and you mentioned the fact that that maybe if they slide to that eight nine line, which they're sliding quickly towards that line, they're they're, they're, all, they're past that now. I think they're I, more in the ten range. I know, but point. you know, I'm looking at bracket matrix. They're still a six this morning. I'm not sure I agree with that. Well, that hasn't been updated. It from may last not have been nights yet, but, but still, okay, uh, so maybe a seven. But but, but they're sliding very very quickly, and I. I We've talked about all the fix possible. I just don't know where they they, they can't guard anybody. That that's the big part. In, the, in in their man stuff, they can't guard. They went to a zone for a chunk last night, got two easy threes out of the corner against a two three zone that looked like it was a high school team playing a fifth grade team, and it was embarrassing. And then Kevin Knox went and hid. And if he doesn't score, they don't score. Admittedly, I didn't get to see this because I was right. at the Xavier game. I went straight into work, and I haven't got a chance to get on synergy since then. But I wish I had. But I will say, I still think. The only option for them is he rips out a zone and he starts playing about eighty percent of the time in the conference tournament and hopes they screw some people up. And I'm not so sure with that length, you don't try to trap some out of that thing. Well, he, he might create some live ball stuff because you're having a hard time scoring too. I mean, you're you're having a real I mean, hard time putting the ball imagine, in the bucket. Could you imagine them doing one three one with like Gabriel out top? That's what I'm saying. Play, do what Xavier does: put in a two three and put in your one three one with some type of weird look to it, and then just go try to confuse teams. That, that, that's that's about man to man's not working. No, I mean you're going to have to win games like 58 to 52 or something. So, yeah, I mean that being said, they held Auburn in check, and Auburn's a team that can get buckets. Like it's not like Auburn went off on them offensively. Last yeah, they, they were off. They got to a really slow start offensively. I mean, I think they were that one of the second first half. 10. Second half, they clicked. That's that stretch where they won the game. They clicked pretty good. I mean, yeah, they were down 55 51. Kentucky did have a three out of the corner that would have given them a seven point lead. Yeah. And then it was they like, took it the other way. It was quick, and all of a sudden you look up, you're down four. You may get another miss on the other end, down six, and it, it kind of snowballed from there. Um, and there was, it felt like there was like a 15, 17 point swing in that game and a commercial break. Yes, it was. It was. It was very, very quick. Um, back to this, what else can they do offensively? Nothing. They're bad. <laughs> I mean, can you can you try to get? It looked like they really tried to get more through Kevin Knox, and for a good chunk of the game, they did. Um, he was curling into the lane, making shots, creating some things, and then all of a sudden, he just hid or disappeared or whatever you want. Maybe he got fatigued. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Well, I, I'd and like at to, that point they had no other answer offensively. None. I'd like I'd like to let the people know that we're very excited for Jared Vanderbilt coming back. His scoring is not coming. No, correct. It's not coming. Uh, he averages a rebound, uh, half a rebound a minute. So a rebound every two minutes. Yeah, he had ten last night. He's incredible at yes. that. The offense is not coming. He is not going to provide you a spark offensively down the stretch of this season. And 
it's Alexander and it's Knox. And that's really it. And Alexander, as good as he's been, there's not a lot of variety to it. Like there were a couple times yesterday where he took it end to end and it was Yeah, downhill right to the low. Yeah. But other than that, there's there's not a whole lot that he does offensively well. And Knox, he does like he doesn't want to be the man. He does for small stretches. But when it when the chips are down. Right. When the game like Trayvon Blue at time. Right. He's like, nah, I'm good. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Because he dominated. He was great for like 32 minutes. And then Auburn got that little spurt. And he hung his they head. needed him to yeah. answer. He hung his head and that was that. And he was like, no. And, and how about, Rick didn't see it, but how about they, they switched the uh, announce crews. They had the NBA crew in, which is a little. Those guys are dealing with analyzing grown men. Yeah, a little, and they're a little more biting. A little yeah. more. But, but P.J. Carlissimo nailed it. And he crushed him, and he, he was right. He crushed him before anybody else really. He said he, boy, his body language looks terrible right now. And as soon as he said that, I'm not sure how much he touched it the next five, six minutes. I mean, not just scored it. I mean, touched, touched it. it. Yeah. It wasn't much. I think you start running a lineup with more quad A, Green, and Brad Calipari <laughs> and just start bombing away. <laughs> yeah. Hope you hit some shots. Or hope you get a lot of offense. Richie going to start tonight. Um, no, I, I honestly, I think the only answer is, is what we talked about is, is you have to go defensively to a point where you're, you're getting more zone stuff and you're trying to trap and create some live ball stuff because you're just not getting, you're not going to, you gotta, you gotta ugly the game up to protect your offense. Yes. Because the the defense that they're playing isn't going to allow you to win games in the, in the fifties or low sixties. I mean, they're. It, we're, we, we're going a little far on the defensive thing. They're 17th no, in the country. Like, they're pretty good defensively. What I'm talking about is doing something to create something on offense. Right. I mean, you've got to create some offense out I agree. Of it. That's kind of what I, I'm getting at it a little bit different than him. But what I'd like, you've got to muddy the game up to protect your offense. Because they, I mean, it, it's going to have to be, like you said, 58-52. So if you need to slow down possessions and shorten the game defensively with the zone or, you know, whatever, you know, put a, put a, Three quarter court, yeah, one two two, one two two, or two two one, or something, and and make teams take till twenty two seconds to get it over the timeline and shorten that game so offensively you have a chance, yeah, less because possessions. If the other team gets to sixty five, right now I don't know that this Kentucky team can win if the teams of any quality, if the opponents of right. any quality, and now you get Alabama coming in. Um, I guess the positive is. You get you get the energy of Rupp, but that hasn't exactly been a great thing. This year. Yeah, that hasn't been a great thing this year for them. Um, when has it been a great? Like the place is not. When Louisville comes to town, it's yes. a good atmosphere. Yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah. Florida back in the day when yeah, Florida that's was we're really talking good. About this team sliding, and I, and we were asked the question on Twitter. What was it two weeks ago? Will they slide out of the tournament? We kind of scoffed at it, and I, I still don't think that happens. I, the the win at West Virginia saving them. Yeah, and they're gonna and they're is. gonna beat. I mean, and, and they beat Louisville too. Yes, like, I mean, it's not like they don't correct. have wins. But the thing now is they've slid. They've slid at least to the what seven eight line probably. They've still got. But they still got Alabama, Alabama at Alabama. Arkansas and at, at Florida. Florida. I'm not here to tell you I can believe that they win any of the three, but let's say you do. Suddenly, you're probably back in the game for what a six, a five. Uh, I could see a six. I don't know. I just can't see them getting back to a top oh, five. Okay, I, I fair, think, enough, fair I, enough. I I almost think seven is kind of their upside at this point. I know I know what bracket matrix says, but I think it's a yeah, little I'm, bit delayed I'm not, on this right and now. I, I don't disagree with that. I I, I feel like the problem is I think we always just do this, and then we start looking at the teams below. And we're like, well, yeah, maybe they don't slide as far as I, we think they slide. I know, but they're seventeen and nine, six and seven in a. 
an okay SEC. It's it's better this year, but it's really there's good depth. Yeah, it's it's better depth, but it's not that great at the top. Right. I mean, like Auburn is significantly better than those teams like Alabama and Arkansas. I think Auburn's better than I thought they were. What they have Sunday two two in the top four. They had Auburn as a two and Tennessee as a four, and that were yeah. the only two in the yeah okay. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're I think they're seated about right. Yeah, yeah, I no, think no, there's, no, I, yeah, I I think just, there's six or seven teams that'll get in from the SEC, but just nothing. But it's all going to be five, four, four to five through ten, eight, yeah, yeah, nine, ten, something like that. Yeah, but I mean, I I think UK can play with any of those teams, obviously, the rest of the way. So it wouldn't be a shock if they win two or three of these games. But even at that point, you're still left with the losing record in the conference, right? And I mean, you know, you're maybe getting to 20 wins. I mean, you need three wins now to get to 20 still. Right. I don't know that they're going to get that. I, I think they've got I a see, chance. I see but. one automatic Ole Miss. I, I can't give you any other ones than that. And who knows? They might They might jump up and give, win one for Randy. Win one, win for, one, win one for the AK? Win one for Randy Kennedy. I honestly think that might be the toughest game to, to win left. Is it maybe. at Ole Miss? No, no it's, it's at, at home. But I just – this, this UK On team senior day for that large, good senior class they've got. Yeah. They're going to say bye to – those know, freshmen or yeah maybe kevin wait bye to homie is it a good riddance goodbye or? pack his bags yeah, here you go have like, a, have like a good trip he's not planning to have a senior day but like the <laughs> he comes out and the picture's out there and they're like yep you you gotta you go through the hey thing. We, we didn't tell you but your parents are here <laughs> <laughs> you you gotta go for sure that's not nice he's been terrible he has been terrible not just terrible he has not been good he will be he will be the NBA slam dunk champion his rookie year or second year, and that's what you're going to remember him for. That's what you're going to remember him for. JV Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> JV Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> that was so good. No, that was perfect. That's that a shout, right. shout out to Riggs for that one. Exactly. That was strong. That was perfect. All right, on to the UC Bearcats. Uh, they as we're recording this on Thursday, they play at well at Houston, but Houston I'm worried. at Texas Southern. I, I get it. I mean. It, this is a Houston team that, if it wants to solidify a spot, I think they're probably in as we speak today. They're but, in with a win over Cincinnati. But they are in with a win over Cincinnati. And, and um, well, I guess what worries you most about, about this game? Because their especially ability, the way that UC is really playing right their now. Their ability to make guarded shots, I, I think, concerns me more than anything. If you they're, – they're, they shoot 43%, over 43% at home from three. And if you look at their synergy rating at home, they are excellent in guarded. And it's funny, it's not guarded at home. jump shots. It, it's not technically. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it's like you see, they're they're playing somewhere else this year, and that's gotten them all the way up to fifty second in the country in offensive efficiency. The, the rest of their offense isn't great, but they can they can get hot from deep at home, at home especially, and hit guarded shots. Which, I mean, that part concerns me, and that. You look at, like, they went to Wichita State. Wichita State kind of blew their doors off. And then when Wichita State came back, Houston handled them pretty easily. So they're playing well there for whatever reason. It's The crazy thing is, is as well as that team is kind of playing, they're playing in an 8,000-seat gym. They'll be lucky to have 4,000 right. fans there tonight. Right. So that part is a bit, you know discouraging for them because it's not going to be a wild atmosphere. But for whatever the case may be, they, they've they played well in that gym. Rob Gray has not played well traditionally against Cincinnati. He's You'd have to think at some point he has a game. That part does concern me. That's, you know, that's another thing that concerns me a little bit. Um, they've, they, you know, Jacob Evans, I thought, and, and Jaron Cumberland both did really good jobs on him um, at – the the BB&T Arena game a couple of weeks ago where they had an eighteen point lead where they had an eighteen point lead and all of a sudden boat race yeah. from there 
So, uh, because you do not come into Highland Heights and no. win games like that, no, son. You don't. You most, just don't. Show most most wins in a season at BB&T Arena? Cincinnati Bearcats. How about that? <laughs> just grin and bear it, bro. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. Are we going to hang We should hang a banner. BB&T Arena. Yeah, it won't stay most up for long. Most wins in a season. <laughs> but it won't stay up for long, I got a feeling. <laughs> I mean, you can, but you have to remove it before you, uh, NKU practices. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well played, sir. Exactly. Well played. Um, I I just don't feel great about this one. I uh, gun to my head. I, I think they win, but I I think it's going to be really uncomfortable to get there. I, this team seems like it's handled the the fact of where they've ascended to. Suddenly, you're being talked about as a one seed. You were shown as a two. They're seed. very old. They're you're very un- mature. Undefeated yeah. in the conference. The one thing is there aren't a lot of rowdy conference places to go play. That, that I mean, this isn't one, right? And this isn't one either. So they maybe just, there's that. I think this team's mature enough though to handle all of those things. Yeah, that doesn't mean they're going to win the game, but I think that's the one thing that they have going for them is they've gone through all this stuff and they've had this this target on their back this year and they've handled it pretty well. Yeah, I mean that we've had the running joke with uh, I've had a running joke with Brian Snow since the offseason that this team think BYU looks at this roster and goes, "Man, those guys are old." Right. No, right. Uh, so that's one of the that's one of the advantages you're supposed to have when you've got a veteran team. Like one of the biggest complaints with Mick that fans have had that over the years is they would get to this point and then their heads would get big. And then they would have a correction and come and, back down. And there is a chance with three tough games left to have that correction. This yeah. game, so we'll see, no, this is this is season defining week for the Bearcats. No question. I, I don't think the game at Wichita State means a whole I, lot. I don't either. Other than you have a chance to maybe finish undefeated in a conference, which yes. is an accomplishment. But you're, no, no, I no, you win these two games, you've you've cemented the two line, yeah. and you still even go into Wichita. Let's say you play a good game and lose, and then. Go back and win a conference. You put yourself still in the conversation for the one. Very much so. Because so, as we've talked about, that fourth one is uncertain. Like that is there for somebody to take. So if they win out, they take it. But it, it starts third, you know, I know most people listening to this podcast is going to be right before the game, or maybe you catch it on Friday after right. the game's been played. Um I, I don't feel great about it, but we'll see what this team has made. This is what we've been waiting to see from this team. Because because the argument has been the league sucks. I mean, I'm just this is the it. toughest stretch since Xavier, Florida, so SMU, and they lost both right. of those games. And SMU should have been difficult. Was not because of the injury circumstance. SMU had SMU. I mean, yeah. And, and other than that, I, I get it. You, I can look at the league and agree the league sucks, and there hasn't been a lot of challenges on the schedule. These next two are. Yeah. And this is where you go, because I think we're still. When you look at them at the two, and, and that's I'm sure you hear it. I hear it too. Oh, I just don't know if you see that good. I get it. I get what you're saying. Right. I think they are, but I get what you're saying because there's nothing that's made me. Go, there's a defining win there yet. There's right. been nice wins, and I think they've played well, but there's nothing that makes me go, that was that. that's a hell of a win right there, man. I, I still say at Pauly's a hell of a win. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. I know. I think this UC team is really good. I my Again, my bigger concern with that whole thing is that does it affect you for two months or more right. to play games and that then, you weren't going to lose no matter correct, what happened, Correct, and then have basically. to play a tough game followed by another tough but, game. But more, more importantly, when you just look at the way this conference is constructed, I don't believe a team that doesn't have a top 50 offense can beat UC. Wichita State's the only team with a top 50 offense in the conference. I think they're the only team in the conference that has a shot at beating UC because you're not going to beat that defense with a team that can't score. You're just not. They will choke you out every... Three. Single time, I said it for him. Yeah, I, 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 just goes. I had to use his line, yeah. but unless it, they play at the Centos Center, 
Well, well, I mean, <laughs> Xavier has a top 50 offense. Yeah, they have an elite yeah. offense. This is my point. top 10 offense. When they play against a team with an offense, that's where I get concerned. This game, no chance they're losing. Wichita State, that's that starts defining things to me. What, Where do they end up? Can they be a one seed? Are they going to be a two seed for sure? That's all on Wichita State at this point, I think, because I don't think there's another team in this conference that can beat them. Man, I... I, I I get what you're saying about Houston. I just I, I don't think you've watched them enough to understand that when they are shooting, like that's been their problem and why they're not a top fifty offense is especially on the road, their shooting is wildly inconsistent. At home, they are very good offensively. Yeah, I mean and, that could be. I mean, when you look at the the overall number, I get what you're saying, but they're also if you want to break it down, I mean, they may just be that awful on the road and that good at home, and that's the number we match up at. And this game happens to be it it. it Technically at home at Texas Southern. And the bigger problem I see is they don't have enough talent offensively Probably to not. overwhelm UC's defense. That's that's the thing. You got to have some guys. You they can't got just, three guys that can really shoot. Yeah, but they're fifty eighth in offense. Like I mean, that's at the end of the day, those guys aren't that good. Like they're good for the American Conference. They're not beating UC. Rob Gray has not played well against UC for a reason. He doesn't have enough help against UC, and he's not good enough to beat them alone. They're not going to beat UC without a better offense. The see what w- he's doing here. I know what he's doing. I see it. See what he's doing no, here. he's actually sincere, believe it or not. <laughs> he's actually I've said sincere. this all year. I, I know. I fully believe this about this UC team. The Wichita State games are the only interesting games they have left. SMU and, would have been if, if, if guys were healthy. SMU and SMU. Well, Shake and Jure Foster, SMU's right, a completely different team. Without them, they lost to Memphis. Yes. Yeah, at home. At SMU. Yeah. At Moody. Moody Magic is dead. Yes, it is. <laughs> Without those guys, yes, it is. Funny, funny thing. Um, remember, did you see the end of the SMU game? The UCSMU game? Yeah. I turned it off at that point. I didn't know. There was a really long, like, exchange between Tim Jankovic and Mick. Mick, okay. Kind of like... Dude, I'm sorry what's, what you're going through kind of a thing. I, I, that's what Mick said after the post game. And if you need, you can join my staff next year. <laughs> what I heard was he's he looked at him and he goes, I, I'm completely lost because I have no clue what you're running. He's like, what is your defense? Because you run, I run man plays, you're in zone. Or in zone plays, you're in man absolutely no idea what you are doing defensively. What the hell is it? And Mick just kind of was like, <laughs> it's your job to figure that out, boss. Seton Hall tried to do, tries to do that same, you know, I mean, it's because the Willard. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's, it's the same it's thing, defense. but it doesn't work the same when Seton Hall does it. <laughs> it's, it's so like, there was a sequence in that SMU game. I don't know if you saw it where they, did we talk about this Sunday, the rotations where they, they, Threw the ball inside. They doubled with help when as soon as the ball went inside. And SMU quickly kicked it with two ball reversals to the opposite and side. he was still there. Rotation, yeah. rotation, rotation. Yeah. Close out, close out, close out. Couldn't get a shot. And at that point, like, on the, the second rotation on the opposite wing, the guy caught it and Cumberland closed on him. And you could tell he was like, you aren't supposed to be here. This is – are you kidding me? Yeah. How did we – Beat the double, rotated that all quickly, the way to the yeah, quickly. quickly rotated all the way to the yeah. opposite side, and still close out, close out, close out. You don't get an open That's shot. Why they're an elite defensive team? I mean, really? Yeah, it is. We almost do it anyways, but we need to start making it like a sponsored segment where Brendel does his diagram of the week with his fingers for radio. Yes, for those that are, are <laughs> it's yeah. always the best radio yeah. when you go back yeah, and listen is. and you hear him describe a play. Just, and you're like, just, it just, made sense when he was drawing it up with his fingers, but just realize, <laughs> get yourself a board or a piece of paper next yeah. time, and then you got to play along. You, you got to play yeah, along. Yeah, you exactly. got to move your finger like Brendel's doing. Left block, double left, team with help. Left, left wing. Left to the left wing, to the top, to the right, right wing. wing. Close out, close out, close out. 
I got it in my head. I draw, draw it up right now for you if you want. <laughs> Brought to you by IBM. <laughs> exactly. The dot matrix company. Perfect. All right, let's go to NKU. I, they go to Wright State uh, on Friday night, and it, this is a win-win. And I'm going to give you why it's a win-win. You know exactly where I'm going with this. Yes, so you're already I do. shaking your head. You win it, you win the conference, basically. You still have some games left, but you're, you're not slipping up. You might lose to UIC, but you'd have a two-game lead, um, and you've got two other really winnable games after that. And I'm not so sure Wright State doesn't slip up again, to be honest I with you. I would agree. Okay. So that would be the win part. And that solidifies an NIT berth at the very least and puts you as the one seed for the conference tournament, uh, which is all positive things. You lose, and Wright State has the double has the tiebreaker because they will have swept you. They Both teams will be 12-3, and three, and the chances are then you slip to the two seed. Maybe Wright State wins out and... NKU wins out, doesn't matter, Wright State wins a tiebreaker, you finish as the two seed. Good part there is, guess who you're going to avoid the conference tournament until the final? Oakland, which is going to finish as the four seed which after they lost again last lost night. Although, best score. although I'm, I, I don't, if I'm NKU, I don't want to face Kendrick Nunn because I'm worried about the fact that NKU just cannot guard Kendrick Correct. Nunn. So I still don't want them to play Oakland. But they're so dysfunctional. I'm starting to be more worried about UIC, UIC? at this point. Fair enough. Because Fair enough. Oakland is so bad at this moment. They they're lost, awful. Well, I mean, they just lost Martez Walker for the year, yep. who was probably their third best player. Um, and that's after already losing a few other well, guys. So. They only had three guys that could score. Yeah. Now they scored a lot. Yeah. But really their offense was three guys. Yeah, Jalen Hayes, Martez Walker, out. and Kendrick Nunn. They still got two of them, but Martez Walker is hurt, and they've been so dysfunctional for whatever reason. I'm starting to worry more about UIC, but at the same time, I agree with you. It's a win-win. Like If the worst-case scenario for Friday night is, okay, not going to have to face Kendrick Dunn in the Horizon League tournament now, sure. feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Well, you'll be in Dayton. Fairborn. I'll feel pretty good about it when I get back to Barley Corns. Drink. Now when you get back to Springboro. Springboro's about right. That's where you can breathe again, right? I guess. Town 75? We'll, Franklin? We'll, we'll find out. I'm gonna, I'm, Do you hold we'll, your breath in Middletown? We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out where the stench Miami's, starts. Miamisburg is good. I like Miamisburg. That's, that's, that's a nice little town. It's been a few years since Xavier was in the A-10. I haven't made the drive up to Dayton in a while. I don't remember where the stench starts exactly. But when I, I, I'm gonna, we're going to film it. I'll do a full I know review of the night. I'm, I, I'm looking very forward to that. I'm going to review the concessions. The seats, everything. The whole thing. going? I'm not going. I got a game to coach, so I'm not going. I'd like. I really would like to go. I will be. be is it a nine o'clock tip? It is a nine o'clock, nine o'clock tip. tip. That's what I thought. ESPN. Yep. Yeah. My daughter's going. My daughter and her boyfriend are going. They're they're all excited. They got their tickets. They big Grant Benzinger fans. Uh, they wouldn't know Grant Benzinger if he walked in this room and sat down. They're big NKU fans though. So Good. bigger than Rick. She. Um. My 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 daughter is not a. She played golf in college. She's not a huge sports fan. She really loves NKU basketball. She more went, than she, Rick. She went not more than Rick probably, but I would tell you. She was one of those rare students that, unless she had a class conflict, she was at every single solitary home game. She loves. They went to Motor City Madness last year. Had a ball. She she really enjoys it. Has she she met Rick? Um, No, I'm not going to let her meet Rick. (laughs) Probably a good idea. That's a smart idea on my part. Yeah. Uh, What does NKU have to do to to, to win, though? I mean, Wright State is not. They're still. I mean, they're 11 and three in the league, and I'm talking about they're not playing well. But you know what they need? They need to play Grant Benzinger when he's not in Cincinnati or at least the greater Cincinnati area because every time he comes here, he goes off that's, and that's, kills that, them. That's legit. When they don't play him here, he's a normal human being, and Wright State becomes a lot more beatable because they're just not that talented. No, and he throws in 31 the last time, and that's why they win. And they've also lost two of their best defenders, two of their most athletic players that kind of kept them from being less talented. Now they look a lot more they like... Had, they had some dysfunction, too, with the one dude that was sitting behind the bench that had gotten... 
kicked off. It was it well. Was, that's and that's yes, the I'm talking yes. about. So that's one of the guys who are the best defender. And then they just had another one get injured, um, and he's out for the year. So they're in a they're in a little bit of hurt in terms of their personnel. They're not the same team they were when the year started. I'd be I'm going to be shocked if NKU doesn't go up there win by about ten points or more. You were going to be shocked if what Wright State won here. I'd be shocked if they lost this game. And, and I go back to you win this league and solidify an NIT. Earth, I think that's a big deal. I mean, that, you've got it's, it's, in the in, it's the, house in a the tournament for the second year in a row. Yes, the NIT, like for for NKU, the NIT is not a bad thing. Like, hell no, no you're playing for, major right, teams. I'm just quickly. saying, like, right. people, you know, a lot of people listening are UC and Xavier fans, and it, it's hard to take that out of your brain. Like, the NIT for UC and Xavier is death. Yeah, like it's fire the coach, fire the coach, yeah. terrible season. What the hell is wrong? The NIT for NKU, if you can guarantee that, is phenomenal. They just got to Division One, right? <laughs> it's phenomenal to be able to play in that tournament yeah, in and continue first, your, your season in your first two years of eligibility to go to an NCAA tournament, and then at the very least, at least an NIT. NIT. If not, then go to the NCAA for the second straight year. That's a and hell of a start, boy. You've got a group of sophomores that are the core of this program. That are going to get to go, you know, if you win this conference, that are going to get to go to the two A tournament again, a big tournament, and and try to get to Madison Square Garden. Probably go in as a fairly high seed in in the NIT if they were in the NIT. I'd have to look and see what Valpo was last year. I, they they might have been a three, maybe. Right. I mean, you you give you might even get a, a BB&T Arena home game. Yeah, and I will say after thinking about last year, you know what what transpired with. The, the selection for the NIT, they did get Valpo and Oakland in, and Oakland didn't have the year that well, NKU right. just did. did. You're right. So yeah. NKU's probably going to be in the NIT almost well, regardless, but it's still cool to solidify the, the conference championship and everything else. But more than that, just go up and beat the crap out of Wright State. That's really all this is about. Are you going to pee somewhere in public? Like, I I think I should probably not. I think arrested. NKU's going to have a heck of a contingent up there. I really do. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they'll, they'll outdo Wright State fans. I mean, they don't draw. No, a, Wright State has a little bit of a crowd. They have, nice, yeah, yeah. They have a nice. I mean, they have got. They have fans that traveled down to NKU yeah. pretty well. I heard you had a a pleasant one sit next to you at the NKU Wright State game. A pleasant Wright State. Oh fan. wow! Yeah, well, there are a couple of them. The Grant Benzinger fan club was out and about that night. Yeah, was that right? Yeah, a couple you, of yahoos. Probably some buddies from the West Side. I would guess. Probably was, drinking with them the other night. Well, one was an old lady, and the other was an old guy. He was running up behind, Maybe it was like grandma and grandpa, running down the. Uh, trust me, no, they they, they weren't. Um, the guy was running down the bleachers. You know, sat like ten rows behind me. Was running down the bleachers to the front row to hold up signs and wave it behind NKU's basket as they were shooting free throws. Just one guy doing it. Like he was an entire student section waving did, did, did all those fat did, heads. Did it work? Did NKU miss those free throws because of old guy? Well, he did it so many times, like it's hard to tell. NKU shot like 72% for the game. Well, I don't maybe, know. Maybe they're an 80% foul shooting team. He affected the 8% of it. And then there was some lady who got kicked out of like three different rows of seats because she kept starting fights with NKU fans. And This was not me. I had nothing to do with any of it. I was just amusingly tweeting all of it. <laughs> what? what was her deal? She was a Grant Benzinger fan. I really don't know what else other than that. Why don't you go find her? Find her on Friday oh, night. She'll and be there sit, and sit with her. You got to video her. That's what you got to do. You ask her some questions. Ask her some questions. I I really don't want to interact with that woman. I'll be honest. Be some entertaining video. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. I'll right. I'll get you something. All right. I, but, I'm looking forward to that. By the way, UC opens as a four point favorite tonight at Houston. That's probably about right. Yes. Three points was, for home home court. 
that means they're favored by seven, yeah. eight. That's probably about right. And I think they win by seven or eight. So there we go. They cover the number. All right, you got a final take, Chad Brendel? Or are you good for today? Um, I, I, I mentioned it earlier. and Actually, I think we were off the air. So okay. I think I'm, I'm good because I'm not going back to something. That's right if you do. Um, here's my question. We, we always talk about th- these are the metrics that teams need. You know, These are the past metrics that teams have had that have won the that tournament. You can ident- identify-, identify these teams and these tiers. These are the teams that can make a Final Four. Are there any? I mean, Purdue and Michigan State, those are the two teams with the metrics. Um, and Auburn's actually probably next closest. I'm not huge on that. And then here's here's the problem, and this is why you can't just go on what Ken Palm says because you know who is who ha- has a top 25 offense and defense? West Virginia. 18 and 24. Doesn't and, feel like it, does it? And no. you don't feel good about them being a legit national title contender. I, I don't think. feel good about any of the – like. No, I, I well, I, Michigan State, I Michigan do, and State, that's why I felt that way all year. Yeah, Michigan State's the best of that bunch, I think. Michigan State's nine in offense, fifth in defense, and as you mentioned, Rick, Purdue is third in offense, thirteenth in defense. Michigan State's really the only one that I that like. And it's so funny because Virginia and Villanova are literally the exact opposite. Virginia first in defense, forty third in offense. Villanova first in offense, forty second in defense. I mean, polar opposites. By not, the way, not bad, but polar opposites. Don't look now, but Ohio State's 24th in offense and 12th in defense. Defense, you're right. Three Big Tens? What does Holtman it say that there's Final three four. Big Tens? But, but does that tell you that, that those three the big tens awful? are beating up on, on a bad big, big Ten? And Ohio so, State, by so, the way, this. they got a big game tonight at Penn State. No, let's, no, let's play this out. So, weaker conferences, even though strength of schedule is factored into right. Ken Palm's efficiency numbers, weaker conference, you can manipulate those numbers a little bit, can't you? Maybe yeah. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a, a mathematician. I'm, I don't know what it says about those three in the Big Ten. I mean, we'll find out when they all three go to the Final Four. We'll go. They were right all along. The numbers. Yeah. The numbers didn't lie. There. This is the blind. And Ken Palm, if you read like his blog and the stuff he puts out, he explains all this stuff. And he's not like, oh, my numbers are the end all be all. Yeah, he's like well, they're one right. data point. And he says one of the blind spots are, while I account for strength of schedule. I can account for if you just don't play good teams right. and you just dominate you know, average teams all the time or bad teams, I can't account for that. I, that's a hole in my stats. And so, I mean, I think, I think that's what you're seeing with the Big Ten to a certain extent. But I also think Michigan State is probably the best team in the country. Gonzaga, 11 and 21. Yeah, well, and 11 that, offense, 21 defense. There's the blind spot in Ken Palm right well, there. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm, if you're looking at metrics and looking at numbers. And they were out of the top. 16. That is correct. But, but to get back to Chad's point, though, I think it's a good one. When you start talking about who are the best teams in the country, guess who what? Who fits the criteria to go to the Final Four? Or are we looking at a year where the criteria doesn't, doesn't mean anything? Doesn't mean a whole lot. Because there's not a number of teams that fit into these little pretty boxes that we like to paint on what it's going to take to, to get there. Like, we've talked, Xavier can't get there because... Their defense isn't good enough. UC can't get there because their offense isn't good enough. Well, maybe this is a year that one side of the ball can get you there. And and there's been teams in the past who have done that. It's not like yeah. there aren't outliers, but it's just been a thing that, for the most part, a general rule is top 25. Well, on well, I'd especially, be interested. For the, especially for the eventual national, especially the team that goes on to not just go to the final forward, but wins the national championship. Yes. Right. I, I would be interested in those years that there were outliers. Was it like this? Where there weren't a lot of teams 
It's a good, it's a good it's, point. It's just in looking at it, there's just not there's not many teams that fit in these little boxes that we want to paint them into that you have to be in to make it to the Final Four, to be a national champion. Yeah, this has to be the year George Mason. They ended up being 22nd overall in Ken Palm, 66 offense, uh, 13 on defense. Um, and, and their offense actually got pretty good. I remember right in those four they, games. They were got hot the in the final Yeah. But what a, like what did the rest of the, the Ken Palm look like in terms of – Well, that's your Florida, Florida win 2006? Got it all runs together. Yeah, they did because the, it was the 04 class, recruiting class. Well, Florida, Florida was third in offense, seventh in defense. So they fit the box. Yes. But what else? I'm looking, I'd have to look and see who the final right. four was that year. You get my point, though. I, no, I do. I, do. I, think it's, I think it's a good point. That's my final take. It, it, it got muddled there as we kind of no, bounced I, around and I, looked at numbers. But I just don't know that this is a year where you can say everything's going to fit into these. This might be a good column. This, I appreciate you giving me two. I, got, I got, still got the Gary Clark column up to, to do. You can look, look it up. Numbers. I know. I, I believe you. I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah. I, no, I think your point is a good one because it's more about when you talk about the top teams in the country – None of those teams have the metrics other than Ohio, right. uh, Michigan State, basically. Right. Um, so well, Purdue does, but I don't think any of us buy I, them. I don't think we've talked about them as the top team in the country. Well, <laughs> top teams, like <laughs> yeah, they are rated. They they are one seed, and the metrics do fit. So right, right, right. It, I, I just think we've been we've low on them, them on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> we yeah. dismissed them probably unfairly. <laughs> I just I just still don't buy it. I just I don't. I I think that's fair. I I, I get it. I get it. Right, you got a final take, Rick Boring? Nah, you're just you're just geeked up for Friday night. I'm ready. I I just, they've been playing better defensively recently. They got that back on track. The offense is running smooth. I'm 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 feeling good. Are, are you going to behave? That's my main question. When do I not, dude? Literally, Bye, everybody. Dude. I, I I yeah. Okay. All right. If you say so. When can you think of a time? Ever that I've had a public spat that has been that has been brought up or been an issue that people would take offense to. Recent in the last twenty four hours, none. I didn't think so. In the last twenty four hours, all right, there we go, boys. I appreciate. We'll be back on uh, on Sunday. You see, in Wichita, play that day. We will have obviously another mayhem Saturday that'll take place, and God knows where we'll be with all these teams come come Sunday when we talk again. All right, sounds good. Let's do it. Let's do it for Chad Brendel and Rick Roaring. I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us on the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, brought to you by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.